This is Body Talk, where we explore your inner universe. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Body Talk. I'm your host, author, structural integrator, and fascia specialist, David Lasontak. And my guest this morning is Ayurvedic practitioner, author, one of my colleagues at the Center for Integrative Medicine, Carrie Harling. And she is going to unpack for you the intricacies of Ayurvedic medicine. It's about a lot more than just doshas. We're also going to talk about why hats are dangerous. So stay tuned. You don't want to miss a minute of this. Coming up next on Body Talk. Hi, and welcome to this installment of Body Talk. Today, I am so happy to have somebody I've wanted to get on the show for a while now. She is a colleague of mine at UPMC Center for Integrative Medicine. She's a certified Ayurvedic practitioner and a certified integrative health practitioner. And she is just one of my favorite people in the world. She's also an author. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, meet Carrie Harley. Oh, it is wonderful to talk with you, David. I am so excited. I'm pretty honored to be on this Body Talk show. So thank you so much for inviting me. You're very welcome. You're very welcome. So let's just let's just dig right into it for those folks out in podcast land. Uh, what is Ayurvedic medicine? What is, what is this approach other than it comes from India, right? <laughs> I get asked that a lot. And uh, people are not quite sure even how to pronounce it. In fact, when I first started studying it, I couldn't pronounce it right. And my dean said to me, you know what, Kerry, if you're going to study Ayurveda, you better learn how to, how to pronounce it. So it's I, meaning your eyes, your, meaning me and you, your Veda. These are the, the, the scholarly scripts that Ayurveda comes from. And Ayurveda is a constitutional system of medicine that classifies people into categories. Ayurveda is sort of a 5,000 year old system of medicine. It's actually one of the largest systems of medicine in the world. It has over 300,000 physicians attached to it. Not quite so popular here in the US because we just don't know so much about it, but certainly in Europe, we have Ayurveda hospitals, Ayurveda clinics. And I think where Ayurveda has always been ahead of its time in its very individualized and personalized approach to medicine that says we are all different and we need different things to be healthy, that there is no one size fits all. So there is no one drug that's going to suit all people. There's no one nutritional program or diet. There's no one type of exercise because you are unique. So it takes a very personalized approach to medicine. Now, 5,000 years ago, Ayurveda doesn't have the language of genetics, but if we fast forward to today, that is the modern sort of takeaway from what Ayurveda is doing. It's saying we are as, as unique as our genetics. So we classify people in Ayurveda according to their dosha. That's just your constitutional type, much like we classify people according to their genetics. Yeah, or endomorph, ectomorph, mesomorph. Sure, it goes a little bit more than just sort of body shape. Um, mm -hmm. It goes much more into your characteristics, your mental health, your... Um, what you should be eating, even geographically, where you live is based upon your dosha too. And your doshas being in balance keeps you healthy. When your doshas go out of balance, just like your genes, if, if, they do, if they're not firing the way they should be, 
then you're going to go out of balance. The other wonderful thing about Ayurveda is it says, let's get to the root cause of the problem. So imagine, for example, David, there's an iceberg. And at the tip of that iceberg are things like diabetes, cancer, hyperthyroidism, chronic fatigue, our modern day ailments. This is where the medical model meets us and offers us, offers us pharmaceuticals or drugs to decrease those symptoms. Not a bad way to go. I mean, uncontrolled blood pressure is dangerous. Mm -hmm. Uncontrolled depression is dangerous. We do need to medicate. But if you look below the level of the waterline at that huge iceberg, that's where the underlying imbalance is. And it could be metabolic. It could be genetic. It could be dietary. That's the arena that Ayurveda sits in that says, let's look at the root cause of what's creating all these symptoms in the first place. So rather so than just a pill for the ill, which is what we currently do, mm -hmm. let, let's handle the, 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 the root problem. And that's what I love so much about Ayurveda. Yeah, pill for the ill. That's what I've always loved about you so much, Carrie. You are really good with those turns of phrase that just go and stick right to your brain the first time. <laughs> Fantastic. So how did it's you... Probably not mine. I probably stole it from somebody else. So if yeah, anybody's I, listening, I've not heard too. that before. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so how did you come to this? Well, gosh, I have my own story. Um, mm -hmm. And, and I think most people listening have probably got their own health story. And sometimes we live a, in a world where we, we sort of normalize the odd symptoms. You know, maybe we're not sleeping as well. Maybe our digestion is just playing up and we'll fix it. We'll eat better. We'll exercise more. Yeah. And we just keep on going with these symptoms and it becomes part of our new normal. And then one day our body just throws in the towel and says, you know what? I just can't do this anymore. And my body did that. It threw in the towel. And I actually spent most of my life being pretty unhealthy and chronically fatigued. This actually surprises people considering, you know, what I do for my profession. But I spent years being diagnosed with a myriad of diseases, including fibromyalgia, depression, Lyme disease, anxiety, chronic fatigue. And I was taking drugs for each one of those symptoms. I would go to the doctor with the latest symptom, be prescribed the latest drug. No one tried to understand the underlying imbalance. What was the cause of all these things in the first place? At the time, I was a single parent. I was going to school full time. I was working full time and I couldn't afford to be sick. Um, and I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. many people may relate to this when you're so fatigued that you have to do a sort of a cost analysis. If I do laundry today, I'm gonna to be out for the count tomorrow. If I play baseball with my son today, I'm gonna to be out for the count for the rest of the week. So I was constantly making those decisions on a day by day basis. Now I was desperate. So I ended up seeing an Ayurveda, not an Ayurveda apprentice. I ended up seeing a alternative therapist at the time, just somebody who offered me some help. And they found out what was wrong with me. I had mercury toxicity. So how did you finally, get mercury toxicity? Yes, yes. I was diagnosed with really high dosages or high counts of mercury, both in the brain and in the body. And where were you Nobody living at the time? Huh? 
Where were you living at the time? I was in the U.S. at the time, but I did get asked, had you ever um, lived next to a factory that made um, hats? And that's when I learned the phrase, <laughs> mad as a hatter. Specific. Yes. So hatters use mercury in the felting process. And I learned all this, David. Um, mm -hmm. So that phrase, you're as mad as a hatter, comes from people who used to use mercury because it, it, it creates um, brain problems. Right. So then I had to go through years of collision therapy. It took me five years to get mercury free. And, and I, I was ecstatic that I got this diagnosis because that mm -hmm. meant this was the reason why all these things were wrong. Mm -hmm. However, five years later, fast forward, and I still did not feel great. I was still incredibly fatigued. I still had digestive problems. I still had sleep problems. I now had chemical sensitivities. So there was all kinds of things still going on. When I was really, um, had a lot of fibromyalgia, the only thing that gave me relief was yoga at that time, very, very gentle restorative yoga. Through that yoga, I heard this vague term Ayurveda and somebody recommended that I see an Ayurveda practitioner. I wasn't quite sure what it was. I didn't know whether you had to be Hindu to do it. I didn't know whether you had to eat weird foods. I wasn't even quite sure what it was, whether you, you had to change your religion to do it. <laughs> so I went to see this Ayurveda practitioner and she taught me that I was fatigued because I had just depleted my body through all this collation therapy that not just takes the mercury out, but takes all these minerals and vitamins out of the body and the bones. Yeah, too. It's, it's, it's a filter, but it, it filters out a lot of things. You're right. Absolutely. You got it. So I underwent different therapists and I was absolutely astounded by the power of this very simple yet effective method of, of, of health. I'd never heard anything about it before. It was so profound for me that I made a major change and decided that I was then going to study this wonderful thing. Um, and because I was an educator at the time, I had studied to be a college professor and I was teaching the sciences. Um, I wanted to use my, my, my background in education, if you like, and give back the best way I knew how, which was if I can educate other people so that they can do it, give, give them the tools. Right. And this teach, them to fish. teach them to yeah. fish. Mm -hmm. then, then they could then do great things with their health. And that kind of sort of took me to where I am. And then it just sort of snowballed from there. Okay, yeah. so now you said there are Ayurvedic hospitals, there are Ayurvedic doctors, you are a certified Ayurvedic practitioner. So yes. what is what is the differentiation? Um, yes. For, so people listening know and understand that. Yeah, here in the US and most of Europe, we have two levels of Ayurveda. We have the wellness counselor, the lifestyle counselor, who deals mainly with nutrition. Then we have the Ayurveda practitioner and they have clinical training. So that's that level that I'm at. I have um, a graduate degree from the Ayurveda Institute. I also have degrees in neuroscience and education. Um, and that's sort of um, the differentiation. 
We do have Ayurveda physicians too, but they are not trained in this country. This country does not recognize Ayurveda mm -hmm. physicians. They're okay. only trained in India or, or, or sometimes other places. Sure. It's, the same, it's the same in Chinese medicine. I know several acupuncturists yeah. who are MDs in China and it just yeah. doesn't translate here. So, so uh, being a practitioner, what does, uh, what does that allow you to do or treat or manage that uh, a, a um, wellness practitioner, I think you said it was. Yeah, level. so what that really means is I can recommend herbal therapies that best suit you. So I can go to that wonderful pharmacopoeia that's been well studied and well documented of Ayurveda herbs and offer those as treatment protocols. So for example, turmeric, which everybody knows about, and you can find turmeric in facials, turmeric <laughs> in your food, turmeric in drinks, even Starbucks. Yeah, but in toothpaste. Yeah, turmeric lattes now at Starbucks. But turmeric latte, you're right. I did see that. It's like yes, yes. So turmeric is my idea. Foam. It's got ghee foam. If it doesn't have a ghee foam, don't drink it. <laughs> So this is an Ayurveda herb that's crossed over and it's become mainstream that, that's highly um, anti-inflammatory, which is why it's so popular. But what a lot of people don't realize is it's not great for everybody. Mm -hmm. um, and if you don't take it with pepper, then there's no bioavailability. Uh -huh. Your body's not going to do yeah. anything with it. So it, it's easy to jump on the bandwagon, but those are the kinds of things. So I can create herbal um, protocols and regimens that a wellness counselor can't do. Well, and I should probably share with the audience, I worked with you. Yes. Uh, <laughs> which still... Um, I worked with you too, that was fun. Yes, <laughs> yes, it, it, was, it was definitely fun on both sides. And it, it had profound effect. And the thing that maybe, and if, I'm, if I'm giving away the store here, uh, I remember I, I went to see you for that initial intake interview. And you made these amazing ginger something scones. And uh, <laughs> I love scones. We make scones here at home all the time. And David, I can see the way to your heart through is through your stomach. <laughs> <laughs> Am I that transparent? I'm definitely yeah, getting my, my stomach's definitely getting less transparent, particularly after 2020. <laughs> but anyway, um, what when I began to observe once it sank in is that not only were you being a good host and trying to put me at ease, but you were watching subtle things in my body related to eating and digestion, the way I look at biomechanical, subtle biomechanical things people do with their movement. You were relating to my ingestion and my digestion in real time. And I thought that was brilliant. Thank you. Yes, it's it. We've heard the phrase "you are what you eat," and that and that's true. You know, if you eat crappy foods, you're going to feel pretty crappy, and we all know that. But Ayurveda takes that a little bit further and says it's not just what you eat; you are also what you can digest. So you can have the best diet in the world that you know is organic, is green, it's politically correct. You know, it checks all the boxes. <laughs> but if you can't digest that food, if you're not an efficient fat burner or you have digestive problems, then all those wonderful, nu that nutrition that you're taking in, you can't access. And I don't think people realize that if you have gas and bloating, if you have um, constipation, if you have diarrhea or heartburn or even burping, these are all signs of poor digestion. 
And it's interesting, David, that 88% of Americans have poor digestion. That's really huge. I'm 80%. not surprised because no. a pill for the ill. Oh, yeah, I'm going to have chicken wings. It gives me heartburn, but I can take the thing and I'm fine. No, maybe you should look at the chicken wings. Or at least understand why you have that heartburn in the first place. Let's get rid of it there. What's creating that heartburn? Exactly, exactly. Let's, yeah. let, let's just take something to uh, amaryllate the thing that we don't want, but let's not dig, dig a level or two deeper to find out why it's happening in the first place. Yeah, it's sad. And yeah. so you dig deeper. Absolutely. I want to get to the root cause of what's creating it. And then once we know that, then we can develop a really comprehensive wellness plan that just meets your specific health needs. So for example, I might say, you know, are you eating the right foods in the right seasons? Are you getting up at the right time? Are you going to bed at the right time for you? And if it's important to exercise, then let's make sure that you're doing the right exercises to get the best results for who you are. And then don't forget, I do genetic testing as well. So it's just as important, you know, does the genetic test tell us that there are some predispositions that we need to account for? Or does the genetic test tell us that there are some foods that otherwise should be fine, may actually be the cause of things like weight gain or low energy or stress on the body? So it is really important to find out the answers to all those questions. So in, in, so we're talking about uh, different kinds of genetic tests that look for specific different markers, or is it a broader one that then you analyze the data? What I'm looking at when I do genetic testing on my clients is, is, is very much around uh, fitness and very much around nutrition and diet. So what is your predisposition? Are you a person that uh, metabolizes caffeine really well, for example? You know, you might be a person that does really well with caffeine. Um, are you a person that metabolizes alcohol? Well, there's not too many that do. Uh, <laughs> are you a person that revs up at night, which might be the reason for your insomnia and that's why you can't sleep? In which case then we know that we have to take that time in the evening to calm that central nervous system down. Mm -hmm. So, now, How does age factor into this? Sorry? How does age factor into this? Yeah, you so, know, we had 65, we're not going to perform like we performed when we were 25, but that also doesn't mean that we have to get, um, that we have to get elderly, shall we say. You know, I don't think anybody minds getting old. They just want to do it with health and vitality. Yes. Ayurveda in Sanskrit means the science of life or the science of longevity. So it really is a blueprint for how to live the rest of your life with health and vitality. It's not that when we get older, things start breaking down. I mean, that does happen, I agree. It's because we haven't lived a balanced life. So that it, it builds up, it's cumulative. There's only so much your body can take before it gets to sort of the age of 50, 60 that says, all right, I can't keep doing these, these things you're making me do. So now I'm gonna start breaking down. And depending upon your dosha, your metabolic type, if you like, mm -hmm. your body's gonna break down in its own unique way. For some, it may be a disease. For others, it may be inflammation. For, you know, it'll break down in its own way. And, and it's often quite telling when somebody comes to me and says, I have hyperthyroidism, I have high, I have high blood pressure. It's like, okay, that's how, how the imbalance is, is manifesting for you. Okay, so I want to ask you a question here about inflammation because a couple of weeks ago, we had Robert Schleip on as a guest. 
and mm-hmm. we got off on that topic about fascia in aging and he was talking about this this cutesy new term called inflammaging inflammaging yes yes inflam aging inflammaging yep. and mm-hmm. in that there's some research out there that seems to indicate there is there is a tendency as we age to get more inflammatory Yes. So is that something you've come across in your research? And how do you, what do you speak to that? So um, I'm thinking to give the long answer or the short answer. I want to give the the most easiest answer. Okay. And then we can unpack it from there if we need to. Mm -hmm. So we need to go back to digestion. If we don't digest properly, we build up toxins. These are are fat-soluble toxins. The body doesn't get rid of fat-soluble toxins. It can get rid of rid of water-based toxins really easy, but not fat-soluble toxins. That makes these, sense. To, these toxins build up and they create inflammation. Inflammation creates disease. That's the very simple thing. Mm-hmm. So it comes back to digestion. Are you digesting your food well? If you're not, toxins are going to build up. How what your body does with those toxins is going to be unique. For some, it may be migraine headaches. For others, it's rheumatoid arthritis. For others, it's hypothyroidism. Depending upon your dosha, you're gonna be susceptible to different things. So inflammation through the lens of Ayurveda, and, and we're seeing this now with modern medicine anyway, inflammation is always the precursor to, to disease. And what oh, yeah. I found, found in my clinical practice is nobody has been given a diagnosis of a disease without there having been some kind of digestive problems in the first place. Okay, so that leads to my next question. Uh, how would one be able to observe if they're having digestive problems, other than the occasional blip on the radar? Yeah, so that's very easy. Any gas or bloating, signs of digestive problems. Any heartburn, if you're, if you're currently on medication for GERD or you have a hyperacidity or heartburn, poor digestion. If you have IBS, one of the biggest, biggest yeah. things that people come to me for, you know, just a, a group of syndromes, it, it's, it's an inflammatory problem. We're now seeing IBS D, you know, because it's IBS with, with consistent diarrhea because it's inflammatory di- diarrhea that they're now giving huge antibiotics for which which you know there are times we need antibiotics but yes. antibiotics are not selective they're going to kill off all the good, good gut bacteria so we often compound problems with overuse of medication too so so gas and bloating constipation diarrhea um, hyperacidity or heartburn or burping too these are all symptoms daily symptoms of poor digestion so let's, uh, let's unpack, you, you've talked about constitution and doshas, and I think constitution is, is one of those, um, I don't know if it actually comes from medicine or vitalism, but I think that's something that's gotten lost over the years is what, what's your basic constitution, and it does go beyond body shape. But, um, you know, people like their labels because when they have their label, just like when you got your diagnosis of mercury poisoning, it's like, okay, now I know what I'm dealing with. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the whole, uh, vata, pitta, kapha, uh, thing that there are three doshas, right? But there it's not the, that simple. 
No, no, it's not. So, so doshas are the sexy part of Ayurveda. Everybody sort of says, oh, what's my dosha? And, and I have a dosha quiz and there are many out there, but take mine because it's better. Uh, <laughs> I'm telling you, audience, it is. Trust me. <laughs> and your dosha is your type, who you are. And, and have you ever wondered why it is that some people are really upbeat and happy while others, you, you know, are, are sort of miserable most of the time? Some people worry incessantly and other people seem to take adversity in their stride. Why is it that, you know, your friend can eat cakes, cookies and ice cream and you only have to look at a chocolate chocolate chip cookie you've put on five pounds mm -hmm. and, and the key to the answer lies in your dosha so just as you have a genetic predisposition you have a dosha predisposition they are the same things we're just one is a five thousand year old way of looking at it and and the modern way of looking at it modern ways of sort of saying you are unique so just as you're born with a unique genetic makeup you're also born with a unique dosha makeup and this is the proportion of those doshas in you so for example i'm a i'm a dual dosha i'm a vata pitta so i have a combination of vata and a combination of of pitta in them so determining your dominant doshas and then treating those keeping those in balance is what is key to health um does that sort of explain a little bit? It does. It does. And I remember, I remember I'm a dual dosha too. I'm a vata kapha. Yeah. And I can still remember that. when we were doing that initial interview and you were taking my pulses. Yes. And there was, there was, there was, you, you talked about how there was this deeper, like longer wave pulse underneath the more energetic pulse. Wow. Um, I'm, and I'm pretty did, impressed at how much you remember. This was quite a few years ago now. It, well, it was, but it made, it made a lasting, it made a lasting impression. Um, I do think I need to to see you for uh, for a tune up though, <laughs> because are, well, some, some of the particulars are a little fuzzy. But then I remember you did something that was really that really took me by surprise. You, you kind of you said, I, "I'm going to take a deeper pulse here," and when yep. you did um it was it's like it did something to my brain it was very peculiar it, it's it's like it was suddenly it's like i had vertigo without the dizziness that i was sitting down and it was almost a little trippy what was mm. that what was that so when we do a consultation um an ayurveda practitioner does an eight point examination and part of that is to take your pulse reading and it's not like a pulse where you know how fast is your pulse what we're looking for is the doshas in the pulse so you can do it two ways one is just the surface pulse that tells you what you are today you know do you have a vata imbalance are you feeling spacey and 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 sort of out of source is there a lot of anxiety so, so so that really quickly here so your your ability to palpate that pulse is that related to the rhythm of the pulse the speed of the pulse how is that it, it's related to yes what you feel under it in terms of rhythm and speed so a vata pulse is a very erratic pulse that is very, very faint. It's hard to find sometimes mm -hmm. and it's erratic. So that, that's a vata pulse. A pitta pulse is deep and throbbing, whereas a kapha pulse is much slower and, and, and sort of more modu modulated. Um, 
So you can feel that at the surface level. And that tells me who that person is at the time they walk into my office. But then when I go deeper, as you said, I did with you, that's your, what we call your um, Prakriti. Who were you when you were born? What is your true nature? Now that never changes over time. So I was born a Vata Pitta. I will always be a Vata Pitta. But the stresses of, of, of the modern world or how I'm eating or mm -hmm. what I'm doing at any particular time can change that so that the, the surface pulse changes. And that shows me what the imbalance is at that point. Now, I can also palpate or feel, I can't palpate, I can feel the organs in the pulse too. So I can feel that if kapha is in the thyroid, then I know there's probably hypothyroidism. Mm -hmm. If I feel that there's um, pitta in the liver, then I know there's probably some kind of skin inflammation, maybe some eczema or psoriasis going on. So I can also do that as well. Yes. So now that many of us uh, have had to move to adding a telemedicine aspect of what we do, sure. how, how would you deal with somebody if you can't actually take their pulse? Yeah, that's a great question. I get asked that a lot. So pulse reading is only a tool in our toolbox, mm -hmm. okay? Just as you have diagnostic tools, it's not the only tool. So I rely upon those other seven points of an examination to be able to do, um, to, to look at what my client is through observation. I'll still do a tongue analysis. I can see a lot by somebody's skin, by how they speak to me by their history. So I don't always have to do a pulse analysis. No, as I say, it's just one tool. Okay. And sometimes there's too much emphasis. I've actually had clients say, well, if you're not doing a pulse analysis, how on earth do you determine who I am? And, and it's hard sometimes to explain. It is a tool in the toolbox yeah. that we use, but it's well, not the only tool. Sure. It's like I can, I can look at somebody's shape and morphology and biomechanics and not having seen them actually walk, make a good educated guess about how it's affecting their gait yes. pattern and create an intervention uh, without them. Now, and I'm not saying I don't look at their gait at some point, but it's not always necessarily the first go-to thing, even though yes. it, it, it can be, it doesn't have to be. So similar to that. Yes. So this, um, this is, you know, to engage in this, that's uh, the best way possible. It really is, I want to say, about lifestyle changes, um, but um, which are always trickier because we want that. We want that instant. Uh, you know, we don't want to work yeah. that hard for it, right? But yeah, you, you are absolutely right. So sometimes the simplest changes are the most difficult to do. Um, what I love about Ayurveda is- Day, day is, six without coffee here. So yeah, I hear you. <laughs> well, you're a kapha. Kaffas need coffee because it, they can be sluggish in the morning. So the time where you're, <laughs> you're coffee, wrong. you need something to get you going. <laughs> you're not wrong, but I'm just doing it as an experiment. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yes, yeah, simple changes, simple lifestyle changes can make some of the biggest effects. What I love about Ayurveda is it meets you where you are. 
the idea is to just shift you to what's right for you. So if you're going to have breakfast, which is an important meal for the day, then let's make sure that you have in the right breakfast for, for who you are and for the season. If you're going to be exercising, well, doesn't it make sense to do the right things for you? And doesn't it make sense to know what time you should go to bed and, and get up to get the best quality sleep for you? So it's nothing that we're not doing anyway. But it's why just about we... building a better roadmap. It is. Because you're just... always going to have detours and unexpected things like that. But then what's my baseline roadmap to get back to when life sends me down a road I wasn't planning? Exactly. Yes. I mean, if you went to a doctor of today and that doctor turned around and said, you know what? Yeah, I can see you have all these problems, digestive issues, headaches, you're not sleeping well. You know, here's what I want you to do. I want you to meditate 20 minutes a day. I want you to get out in nature. I want you to turn the phone off every now and then. I want you to have three good organic meals a day. You know, we think, well, that's way too simple, but it is. (laughs) Or that's a lot of work. (laughs) I work with a physical medicine doctor actually who, who will prescribe mindfulness meditation. Fantastic. He's a great dude. He's a great dude. Yes. Yes. That doesn't often happen. Yes. Normally it's a pill prescription. So, so you've mentioned how important breakfast is. So that, that led to this idea. What, what's your take on the, the current trend for intermittent fasting? Yeah. Intermittent fasting is really good. Um, I don't believe in, remember each person's unique. So I could fast from six o'clock tonight to eight o'clock tomorrow morning and be fine. But if I had somebody, a pitta who gets hangry if they don't mm-hmm. eat regular meals and will get hypoglycemic, then perhaps not as good. Maybe they need to fast at different times. So again, there's no one size fits all. But we have always used fasting in Ayurveda. Um, and and, and it, it's, we, for example, say three meals a day just three meals, no snacks in between. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, after your last meal of the evening, your digestion is a little more sluggish. You know, our digestive fire, our metabolism, if you like, moves with the sun. So in the morning when we wake up, the sun's not so bright. Our digestion is not quite as robust. But when we get to midday, the the sun is at its brightest. Our digestion, our metabolism is at its strongest. This is the time you should be guzzling your red wine and drinking your ice cream, because that's the time. Okay, you you heard it, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) On the job, wine with lunch, okay? It's official now from Gary Harlan. And then as the sun goes down in the afternoon, our digestion also wanes. Yet in our culture, we have the, our biggest meal yeah. of the day at nighttime when our digestion, it just can't digest that food really well. So mm-hmm. we wonder why we have these digestive problems. So it's not that we're eating necessarily the wrong foods, although we probably are. It's that we're eating them at the wrong times as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I know what I'm having with my lunch today. <laughs> glass of wine. <laughs> Can I join you? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. It'd be delightful to just sit down and have a couple of hours to, to unspool it. Carrie, it's been great to have you on the program today. Um, is there, are there any topics or, or things we haven't covered for the beginner um, that we should before we sign off? Just, you know, if you're curious about who you are, then take my dosha quiz. David's going to probably put the the link up. So just take that. Mm -hmm. That'll give you you more um, information. 
And then you can always jump on a call with me. I Anybody who wants to find out about Ayurveda, just wants to talk, I offer a complimentary 30-minute consultation. Just, just tell me about, about what's going on with you, um, what your health challenges are. If I can help you, that's great. If not, I work with a great group of people at UPMC and um, there'll be resources there that can help you as well. So um, I encourage anybody who would like to know more about it. I love talking about Ayurveda. Just, just reach out to me. It'll be great. Yeah. And I tell you, in, in person, she is just as warm and wonderful and funny as, uh, as you've heard her here today. And we will have the links for you to get the dosha quiz and also to reach out to Carrie to schedule a 30-minute consultation in the show notes. Carrie, thanks for stopping at Body Talk today. Oh, David, thank you. It's been my pleasure. Thanks for listening to Body Talk. If you haven't done it already, become a patron of the show over at patreon.com backslash bodytalkradio. We really appreciate your support. Join us next week for another exciting episode of Body Talk where we explore your inner universe. And the music, as always, is by David and the Disasters. See you next time.